0: Hey, welcome back to the Out of Office Podcast. My name is Fiona Thomas. I am your host, as always. And I thought that I would talk today um, about some of the worries that keep me up at night. (laughs) Um, Anyone who knows me or has followed me online for a while, you'll know that I suffer from anxiety. Um it goes it comes and goes. I I'd say I always have like a kind of disposition to be anxious. Like I always err on the edge of anxious as opposed to laid back. Uh, and I have depression as well and that that comes and goes. But anxiety feels like something that's always just always there. I'm just a overthinker, a worrier. Um, I think it feels, for me, it feels like natural to be n- anxious, it feels safe, like, you know, when you're like, if I just think about this big thing that's happening, and try and think about every possible outcome, every scenario, every way that I could handle this thing, um, that feels like, I guess, a coping mechanism, so it feels kind of like a natural state, Um. And it's something that I have worked really hard to, I wouldn't say like fix, but like live with (laughs) over the years. Um, I have been on medication for anxiety on and off. um, And I do lots of things to like, just kind of lifestyle changes. So exercise really helps my anxiety. Yoga helps if I can get my butt on the mat. Um, I have done meditation, even like writing really helps. Um, At the moment I'm really focusing on my getting the first draft of my novel done and I find that almost quite meditative as well because it takes me, forces me out of my kind of, um, my own thoughts and allows me to pretend to be someone else I guess for an hour. And I I find that really helpful. (laughs) It's like kind of like hitting a bit of a reset button or... don't know like a shower for your mind like it just feels quite cleansing (laughs) um and if you're in fact this is a good actually a very good segue into my um new writing program it's called revive and five and if you are listening to this on the day it comes out um you have still got time to sign up and um, you've got a couple of days left to sign up and it is a five day accountability writing program. So the way, the way it works is you sign up and uh, you will get a kind of welcome email that explains to you how the live sessions work and then on Monday the 19th of July we start and it's, it goes for um a week but like a Monday to Friday week so that's why it's called Revive and Five because it's a five-day program but you only need one hour per day and what happens is we meet every morning on Zoom at 7am and for an hour we just write together. So basically just prioritising yourself so that you can write for an hour every morning. Um, it's just something that really helps me when I'm struggling mentally or when I'm struggling to get um, make time for a project that I'm really passionate about like my novel or uh, journaling anything like that I just find it really helpful to be part of a group and to be held just kind of held accountable um, and it's a paid program because I think when you put your money where your mouth is you're much more likely to turn up it's like when you pay for fitness class you're more likely to go than if you just say oh I'll go a run at some point today when you pay for something I don't know it just you feel like well I've paid for it so I'm gonna make I'm gonna make use of it so if that sounds like something you're interested in the link will be in the show notes hopefully you can come along and join us um but my yeah my point was writing does help my anxiety a bit And but I thought today I could just really have a bit of a chit chat uh, obviously one-sided chat chat, but come come find me on Instagram if you want to chat. Um, I thought I would talk through my three biggest freelance fears because, um, I'm just quite conscious of like I I love providing practical podcast episodes, which are actionable and kind of how to podcasts that give you tips on how to do x y and z or or like my you know my instagram launch thing of this is how i did it and you can do it too and but i also just really like to be open and a bit vulnerable and share maybe what's not going well and the stuff that keeps me up at night just just to give a, a, a relatable account of what it's like to work for yourself because although it is wonderful a lot of the time there there is a lot of anxiety and fear that comes with it so not to scare you off it's just uh, just to be honest I think honesty is always the best policy so I thought I would share with you my three biggest freelance fears and what I'm doing about them (laughs) so number one and this is a fear I've spoken about a lot with friends, with uh, business coaches and mentors. And that is my fear that somehow my Instagram account will be taken away from me. So I panic that it's going to be um, hacked or it's going to be temporarily disabled or the Instagram business is somehow going to like crumble and then it just won't exist anymore. I won't have an Instagram account. At least if it was disabled, like I probably could get it back because it does like, I, I worry I worry about it so much that I've watched videos of people who have had their Instagram account disabled and like how they've got it back and all that kind of stuff. Um. So I know that I could get it back, but yeah, it just worries me because so much of my... Um, income comes from, not obviously like if you follow me on Instagram you know I don't do like sponsored posts or anything like that, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself an influencer Um, but Instagram is my main marketing tool, I would say, to get people to sign up for my courses, to get people to book one-to-ones with me, to get people to hire me to write for them. Instagram is just it's just where i naturally gravitate to it's where i've seen the most success the most return on investment it's where i enjoy to show up um so if instagram was deleted tomorrow i really think i don't think i would it wouldn't be impossible for me to get people to sign up to my courses and my workshops and um people to book me but it definitely would be significantly harder so that is the, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night. So I have read the things about like, you know, this could get your Instagram account deleted. One of the things was like, if you use, um, if you look as though you're plagiarising someone else's content, which obviously I would never do, but um, one of the things was that if you use an image that you found on google or on pinterest and i definitely have done that in the past especially when making memes like i i'd say in 2020 <laughs> making memes was like a major coping mechanism for me i was like how can i i feel terrible how can i make a meme out of this um and yeah i read somewhere that like m- memes because you're just using like found images like i was using like google images of like a kardashians and Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, I, I saw someone say that that could get your Instagram account deleted, so I went through and archived all those images, So that's why you won't you won't see me posting memes anymore. Again, like don't don't take this as um, like expert insight. I have no idea <laughs> if this is actually true, but it, because it's one of my fears, I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to archive all those posts. I'm really scared. Um so that's that's one thing that I've done, which to try and minimize the fear, but the the main thing I've tried to do is take proactive steps to create like not I wouldn't say a backup plan because I don't I don't want to it's not that I'm like oh when when Instagram gets canceled, I'll then jump on these other things. I really want to have other marketing tools that are just as effective as Instagram. So I want to be able to spread my effort across multiple platforms and focus on platforms that I own because, you know, all my content's on Instagram, but if Instagram is deleted, it all goes away and I essentially lose, I lose the connection to all the people who follow me on Instagram. I don't really have a way to access those people and communicate what it is that I am selling and what I do. So... I have purposely over the last year begun to focus um, on two other marketing tools, and that is this podcast because I own this podcast. Once you guys subscribe and listen, then I know that I can pop into your podcast feed every week with a new episode and deliver you valuable content that hopefully. Um, One day you will go, oh, maybe I'll buy her book or maybe I will sign up to a course. Obviously not everybody does, but I really believe that podcasting is a long game and I can put in the work and I just believe it's a really, just a really strong, you build a strong connection with people when they listen to podcasts um, in comparison with instagram so even though my numbers aren't huge on the podcast although i will say within the next few weeks we are about to hit we are about to hit 10 downloads which is amazing for me like i'm really happy with that um so although the numbers aren't huge you know i'm not getting like a million downloads but i i, I really think every every one of you that listens is a really valuable member of my audience because you take the time to listen to like a sometimes up to like 40 minutes (laughs) of me talking so even though there's less of you I value every single one of you so that's that's the first thing that I've done to try and kind of if you imagine a pie chart Instagram at the moment or like up until about a year ago took up like 90 percent of the pie chart so I'm trying to make it so it's like divided evenly three ways so One of those ways is Instagram, the other is podcasting and the other is uh, email marketing. So I spent a lot of time over the last year um, really starting to regularly email people on my list. So if you're on my list, then you will know that every pretty much every Wednesday at some point on a Wednesday normally in the morning you'll get an email from me which tells you about the new podcast episode and also tells you just what I've been up to in any sometimes you get a funny little story. Uh, last week I emailed you an email about hypnotists which sounds rubbish uh, but, but it was actually quite a good email and yeah the the it's kind of similar I guess to podcasting and that you will hear you know email marketing experts talk about if someone gives you their email address then it means that they really care and they really want to hear from you and you shouldn't abuse that so email people regularly but give them value and don't always just be selling stuff and and yeah I don't I don't really send out that many sales emails Apart from when I'm launching something, so like at the moment, because I'm launching Revive and Five, there'll be a couple of extra emails that just say, hey, I'm also launching this course if you want to take part. This is how you can do it. Um, But I've been really deliberate in sending a weekly email that is just of value and me telling you what I've been up to and giving you some tips and tricks on writing or on freelancing or whatever else I've been um, dabbling in that week. So that's how, that's how I've been trying to alleviate the fear of Instagram being deleted uh, and I think it's, I think it's working, uh, I definitely feel, I know that I'm, I do get a lot of business through my email marketing, definitely, uh, podcast is harder to tell because you can't really track clicks from the podcast, Um. so if somebody was to listen to the podcast and then click through from the show notes, although I, I could use trackable links, I just don't, I'm just not that I'm just not that organised but with email I can see that people click through and they do buy based on me sending emails so that's really good to know and I know that um, the success that I have on Instagram selling is because I have been doing it for years and years and years so I know that if I keep on the track that I'm on with the podcast and email marketing um, it's that thing of you just have to be consistent over a long period of time and I'm in the habit now so I am willing to do it so basically this podcast isn't going anywhere and my email marketing isn't going anywhere so that's my biggest fear my second fear let me think what one I'd like to talk about I think it is and this is like every artist's worst nightmare I think is that I have peaked too early I worry that I have peaked too soon um which is, I guess, like if I had, if you'd, if you'd asked me this when I was thirty, I'm thirty four now. When I was thirty, I thought like, I've missed the boat. I'll never be a success. I'll never be a successful writer. I'll never be published. I thought I was over the hill already. And then, by some miracle, I got my first book deal. And then, and then I got another book deal. And now. I've had two, two book deals relatively, although I was a bit older, relatively early in my career as a writer, Bear in mind that I didn't, you know, the year that I got my book deal was the same year that I f- f- went freelance on a full-time basis, so happened quite early in my career, it wasn't like I'd been freelancing for a decade and then <laughs> got my book deal, uh, I was very, I don't know, I just feel, I think I suffer a Quite a bit with imposter syndrome when it comes to my book deals, and I feel like, um, oh, you were just in the right place at the right time, or oh, you just you just got lucky. Um, the topic because I was writing about social media before a lot of other people were, so I felt like, oh, you just you just had like one really good idea <laughs> a bit before anybody else. So that so my fear is that i will never never be published again and that no one will ever read any more books by me or i'll i'll write because i'm writing my novel just now my, like what if i write my novel and you know very few people would even get their first novel published anyway so it probably won't get published but my fear is that like i will write it and then it'll just have to go straight in the trash because it's a pile of pants <laughs> so what am I doing to alleviate this fear that I will never be published again? To be honest, I am writing like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) I am just trying to distract myself by doing the thing. It's like, uh, I kind of refuse to be paralysed by the fear um, because it would be quite easy to to just think, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not going to write. But I really believe that, confidence in writing comes from writing more and more and more so and i do think the fear is it's not constant like it definitely just springs up now and again like i am a confident writer i'm confident in my business i'm confident in my ideas but there is just that little that little niggling voice that's like you're crying <laughs> so it's not it's not something that consumes me. But I am aware of that little voice. So my solution is that, and I think this really started in the pandemic, is that I got a lot more time and space to think about how I wanted to spend my time and what I wanted to focus on. And it really helped me think about, you know, where do I want my career to go? What, what do I want to be known for? And writing is a thing that really that really took over my my brain and my focus and yeah in tw- in 2020 I decided I need to make the commitment to be the best writer I can possibly be and that's when I started saying right I'm not not necessarily going to spend my money or my time on other parts of my business I'm going to focus it on In my craft as a writer so any extra money that i make i tend to invest either in writing courses so i will take part in uh, like i do a novel writing course or i will sign up for one-off workshops or i'll do like a copywriting course or i'll learn about story structure i'll invest all the money into learning more about my craft Or if I get a little bit of extra income I will uh, basically use that money to pay myself so that I can write more, if that makes sense. Because when I'm writing on fun stuff, like when I'm writing on my novel, that doesn't make me any money. So I would have to spend um, time making money from my courses and workshops so that I can then take a few days to work on my novel. So if if I get any extra money I instead of just spending it on, like, a new dress or (laughs) a holiday or whatever, I will say, okay, this actually buys me, literally just buys me time, buys me a week where I can just focus on my writing. I don't need to worry about promoting a new course or um, marketing or hustling to, to make some extra income. I can take the time to just write. And I think that's kind of, like, The not so glamorous side of freelancing and writing and running a business and being an entrepreneur is that you can market yourself any which way and you can show people that you, you can lure people in and show them that you, or make them think that you know what you're talking about and that they're going to love working with you and you're a total expert in your field but At the end of the day, you have to actually live up to that expectation. And that's what I am working hard towards, is to make sure that I'm just always improving. It would be very easy to say, well, I've had two books published, so I know what I'm doing. I don't think I'll ever know everything I could possibly know about writing. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so I'm constantly investing in myself and it feels really good. It feels... It feels really good to go into a room full of writers and know that just by being around those other writers, like on courses and stuff like that, know that I'm going to leave that room feeling more confident and a better writer and just have a wider, varied life experience, I guess, and have come into contact with people who write different genres and have different uh, writing styles and different... um, ways of writing, different practices so that is how I am coping with that and I think it's been a real turning point for me when it, like, one of the things that, or like one of the kind of pivotal moments for me was la- I think last month or the month before, so I was shortlisted for a business book award which was very exciting out of office, made the shortlist for the I think it was a start-up category which was brilliant and they invited me along to the awards which would normally have been in London but because of of pandemic it was all online and it was on a Tuesday night which is the same night that I do my uh, I take part in my novel writing workshop and I had to make the choice like am I going to go to this award ceremony in the hope that I win because obviously I was like really really excited hoping and praying that I would win like the ego in me of course was like this would be brilliant I can win an award so I thought do I go along to that or do I go to my novel writing workshop and bear in mind the workshop is Um, a lot of the time you're delivering feedback so we're put into small groups um, and I get feedback from other people and I give feedback to them so there was this sense of like duty I guess to go along and deliver the feedback to the three girls in my group and then also I wanted my feedback like you know I can get it written they can deliver the feedback as written feedback but it's really I find it really valuable to listen to them say what they think and give verbal feedback and have a back and forth and have a conversation about my work in progress. So um, there was no question in my mind really that I didn't want to miss out on that. So I didn't go to the awards ceremony and I didn't win, but it just felt really significant to me that I chose to do the less glamorous option. And to sit and do the work of listening to other writers feedback on my work. And to give them feedback on theirs. So it just felt really symbolic to me. And I was, really, I was really proud of myself for choosing to do that. So the third fear that I have. Um, is that my mental health will get in the way of me running my business. Which sounds stupid because it does get in the way all the time. I have lived with depression and anxiety since I was 26. I'm going to be 35 this year. So it's long been a consideration for me. It's got in the way for so many things. It stopped me going to parties. It stopped me seeing my loved ones. It's made me push people away. It's made me hit the bottle. I got sober last year though, which I am also very proud of. Yeah, mental illness has lost me jobs as well. N- not necessarily freelance jobs, but um when I was working in hospitality, I've had to quit jobs because my mental health just wouldn't be able to handle the stress of the work environment. So it was always It's always been a consideration, but I think the pandemic really tested me. (laughs) Tested all of us, didn't it? Tested all of us. And as I record this, I'd say I'm having one of the worst mental health days I've had in a long time. And I know that everything will be okay. I know that I have got people around me to support me. I know that I'm taking my medication, I'm doing all the right things, I've actually got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. But I do, I do worry that one day I would have to just give up work because I have a big breakdown, like like I did back in my mid-twenties. For anyone who doesn't know, it's all detailed in my first book, (laughs) Depression in a Digital Age. But yeah, I couldn't work. I was off work for a year. Couldn't do, couldn't do anything. Couldn't go to the shop. Couldn't walk into a restaurant on my own. Couldn't talk on the phone. Didn't shower very much. So yeah, I have a big fear that I spiral out of control again into that horrible place. Um, and perhaps this is on it. <laughs> unhealthy but it's not necessarily my it's not I think oh god I really don't want to be that depressed again I do I think about all the things that it takes away and one of the things that it takes away is my career and my business I love my business so much I love being creative I love having time to write I love engaging with people on courses and programs I I love having the um working with people on their writing and and seeing the results like I love people feeding back to me saying like you know we've been working together for a month and I've already like written the first like 10,000 words of my book or I've started my blog again or um, I'm writing newsletters more regularly all that like all those little small changes that I see in the people that I work with like that is so that's so enriching to me and so just makes it worth getting up in the morning and i really don't want all that to be taken away so what have i been doing to try and fight off this fear (laughs) well i think the first the thing that i'm most proud of is that i am in therapy which i've spoken about before i started therapy in i think about September 2020. So we've been at it about nine months now and I only go every two weeks because every week was just getting too intense. It was just, if anyone anyone has been to therapy and I highly recommend you do, Um, just really exhausting, like really tiring, <laughs> emotionally exhausting to the point where it would, no matter what time of day I have therapy, it it can affect the rest of the day. I can't book anything else for the rest of the day just in case it's a bad session and I'm so exhausted from it. I can't, you know, I can't go on a meeting. I can't meet any deadlines. Um. So it's really tiring, but I am really proud that I'm doing it. And it's just, it's not even like it's not like, oh, in six months I'll be done. I just feel like I will be in therapy now for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, but it's helping. And that's something that I'm really pr- I'm proud of myself for, for making, the, making the call and going through with it. And I also had one therapist and then it just didn't feel like a good fit. So... I ended it with her, and it took me a few, quite a few weeks, maybe even months, to then go and find another one. So, I'm really proud that I didn't give up at the first hurdle, and I actually, um, had the balls to go and book in with a new therapist. And I'm really proud that I've kept that up. Really proud as well that I've just been able to afford it um, as a freelancer for quite for first few years, I thought, god therapy, imagine being able to afford therapy I thought, that's that's amazing, private therapy, but it's not actually, well I guess a mixture of two things, it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be and um, I have worked really hard to increase my prices and and build up my income over the last couple of years as well, so really proud that I'm doing that like I said, I've got an appointment to the doctor tomorrow, so I'm going to do a little meds review. Um, I have been on the same medication. Since I was 26. So yeah. Uh, what's that? Eight years? I've been on the same medication. Sorry I'm tired. I'm recording this at like 10 at night. Um, Yeah. I'm going to do a wee meds review. Just face the music. Be honest. I'm not feeling that great. And maybe think about um switching up the medication. And the other thing that I have done. Um, which I partly feel guilty about but partly want people to know that it is possible is that I don't don't work full days anymore. I have given up working a full nine to five and I know that's a real privilege and there'll be lots of you sitting there thinking, oh my god that'll never be me. Um, And lots of freelancers probably listening thinking, oh my god I'm working twelve hour days, I'm working seven days a week. I have been there um and I have been burnt out in traditional employment, I've been burnt out as a freelancer and you can you can get out of it, you can find ways around it. Um the main thing is really is increasing your prices, getting serious about your prices and not budging on them. I know it's hard. But I have slowly but surely, kind of um, worked on my tweaking my offerings and um, increasing my prices so that I don't have to work eight a.m. to eight p.m. every single day. So, and I'm I'm just kind of learning to forgive myself for not not fitting into the mold that society has deemed appropriate. I will not work Monday to Friday 9 to 5 um, consistently. Sometimes I might I might do it, but not consistently because my mental health just doesn't allow it. So a lot of the time I start work at 10, half 10. Sometimes I don't start work till after 1. <laughs> and I almost always finish at 6. Although, be honest, this is a Sunday night. And I just felt the urge to record a podcast at ten o'clock. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny myself the urge to do something when it feels right. That's the other thing. Like we're also like we're shamed for not working enough hours, but then a lot of us freelancers get shamed for working at times that other people think are inappropriate. Um so if you want to work on a Sunday night at quarter past ten and it feels good then why not do it? That's what I say. So I have rambled on for long enough now. <laughs> I, hope, I hope this wasn't too depressing. I have given you three three of my biggest fears um, but I hope that you appreciate my vulnerability, my honesty and I hope that um, you can see that I'm making some headway, I'm making some good decisions, I'm happy with where I'm at and it's not all all sunshine and rainbows in the freelance world but it's certainly certainly, um, an experience. (laughs) So if you've enjoyed this episode do remember to tag me on Instagram, come and let me know how you found it, if you enjoyed it, what your freelance fears are. Has this given you any ideas on how you can maybe manage your own freelance fears? I would love to know. And don't forget, you can like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you have enjoyed the podcast and I will see you next week. Bye.